0: Thank you, Father. Thank you. Because right now, um, you are ministering to us your love. You're ministering to us your grace. And uh, God, I'm convinced that there is a work that you're doing in each individual in the room right now. Um, God, there's even a work that you're doing in our kids' ministries and those who are volunteering there. um, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, uh, you would bring... Into reality, the work that you desire to do in our lives right now, so that we would love you, that all with all that we are, and that that love would sustain for the rest of our lives, being ushered into eternity by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our series entitled The Nine Virtues, and we're doing a little detour. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've kind of jumped uh, around a little bit in this series. And that's been in part because there are, cert- there are different preachers that are coming and preaching through some of these. So, for example, uh, Pastor Micah this week is actually at Cross Point Coast. Preaching the virtue of love this week. Uh, He preached that week uh, number two of the series here. And uh, next week, Pastor Chan, who is the founder of Cross Point Church in Lake Nona, will be preaching the virtue of faithfulness. And so uh, he has preached that last week in Lake Nona. And so we're doing that as an opportunity to highlight that we're one church. God has given us a really good church here in Cross Point downtown, in part of which some of you may have never experienced around the city. And so I can't wait to have Pastor Chan here with you next week, and I am so excited uh, to have the opportunity to be a part of Cross Point Church as a whole. This is much bigger than what we see right now. And God's doing things in this city uh, with a church that's scattered about in order to proclaim his name and his grace. And so, uh, so that's the little rundown for these virtues. Today, we're talking about self-control. Self-control. There are parts of self-control that I love. And there are parts of self-control that I loathe, And we're gonna get into some of those today. Chances are, if you're breathing today, I got your number in the sermon, okay? I get done preaching some of these sermons and people will come to me, man, have you been following me around this week? And, um, and no, I don't know anything about you. Um, in some cases, I've never met the person, but today we are all going to be convicted by the Word of God. I know I very much was, and I'll, I'll be happily to share those things with you, because it allows us to see the working power of God's Spirit in our weaknesses. So, um, self-control, as we get started, is not self-help, okay? Self-control is not equal to self-help. You know, one of the things about these virtues is that each of them have a counterfeit take gentleness for example people will think gentleness is cowardice no gentleness is actually strength that's under the control of god take love for example people think that love is something that is that is shared by all people which i would agree that it is but it's not the genuine spiritual work of love because love outside of God's Spirit actually is a self-love and advances the kingdom not of God, but the kingdom of self. And self-control has a counterfeit, which is self-help. The difference between self-control and self-help is one is in our natural man and one is in the spiritual man. One is in the natural man, meaning that we can build it up in and of our own strength. And the other is one that's produced solely by a work of the Holy Spirit. Here's how you know the difference between self-help and self-control. They often look very similar. How are you motivated? How are you motivated? Self-help is often motivated by something internally, something very selfish, self Help is motivated by a love for God So let, let's take running for example You see people running at 5 30 in the morning You might see two guys running at 5 30 in the morning Which I confess this is one of the things that I confess I'm not running at 5 30 in the morning and I need to be Okay, so um, I'm not one of those two guys I should mention <laughs> Pray for me on that. I need to be um, So one, one guy's running And his motivation is looking good for the club this Friday. That's why he's working that body out. Another guy's running, and that's so he can have energy to serve and love his wife and kids for the long haul. That motivation is so different, so critical, so key for us to understand what self-help is and what self-control is. They often look the same, but they're motivated differently. And so, what I want to encourage us to do is there are many aspects and elements for us as Christians to grow in. And that we could benefit from, even in the way of practical life, such as health and fitness and finances. Such as controlling our tongue and anger. All those things are good things. But I want to ask you the question, from your heart, where is God motivating you? Where is God motivating you? How is God allowing your heart, your life to be brought into conformity with his will? And that's where the Holy Spirit works, to fan into flame the spiritual fruit of self-control in our life. Jesus was asked the question by a lawyer of his day and time. It was a Pharisee who was really trying to trap Jesus. And when he asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? You know, there's a number of commandments, thousands of commandments in all of the Scripture. He thought, surely I'll trap Jesus here. And Jesus answered to this Pharisee, this, this one who knew the law front and back, the greatest commandment the one that rises to the top. And here it is. He says in Luke ten twenty seven, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. This is the command that rises to the top for all Christianity, that our whole Christian life would be a reflection of Of the love of God. Because here's the deal. God's love for you is just as much today as it was yesterday. God does not love you any more or any less from the day that he found you. God loves you just as much today as he ever has. Here's the thing that the Holy Spirit is doing The Holy Spirit is seeking to master our hearts so that we would love God more today than we did yesterday. That's what I want for my marriage with my wife and my kids, that I would be a better lover of my family today than I was yesterday. That I would be a better lover of God today than I was yesterday. Because God is perfect. His love is always complete. Because we are imperfect, our love is always incomplete. And this means that God's Holy Spirit is nurturing this affections from our soul to where we are consistently and constantly loving God with all that we are. And that's what self-control is. Self-control is aligning our lives to the love of God in all things. It's allowing our life to exist for what matters most. Jesus gives us this command knowing that we as his people must grow in this. But also that the power of the Holy Spirit is helping us. That our heart and soul would be aligned to God. From our heart, the seat of our emotions, our affections. That our desires would be lined up with the desires of God. That our mind, what we think about, everything, our our intellect, our knowledge, our beliefs would all be aligned to what God has done and what God is doing. And with our strength, our bodies. That our bodies would reflect the worship of our hearts and our minds and that our whole life would be in tune to walk in self-control and discipline so that we are God's faithful servants enduring over the lifetime one of the prayers I think I pray most is God help me always always walk in your grace I know that there are going to be challenges that I don't see right now for my life that are going to happen maybe a month from now, maybe six months from now, maybe six years from now, maybe 16 years from now. I know that there are going to be challenges that I don't see. One of the greatest dangers for each and every one of us is that we would neglect the grace of God and be a people who don't pursue after the love and grace of God. And affection for him. I wanna die old in the arms of my family, meaning that I wanna grow old with my wife and my children. I want that to be true of me. And I want to be true of me that this love for Jesus that exists in me today will exist tomorrow and through the end of the time that God gives me here on this planet so that I'm ushered into eternity, loving God with everything that I have. That's what matters, right? And that's where I want God to align my life in the here and now so that that would be true. It's God's discipline. It's God's discipline. God's discipline isn't always punishment. God's discipline isn't always reproof. God's discipline is growing us in Him, training us up in the ways of the Lord so that we would walk with Him. One of the challenges that I had when I first became a Christian I was in college. I just got, uh, I just came up from um, West Palm Beach, Florida to come to college at UCF. One of the great challenges that I faced was my mouth. Like I cussed like a sailor. Like almost every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word, believe it or not. Uh, and, and it was vulgar and it was vile. And I came to Christ and that was one of the most immediate things that God convicted me of. And the, something that I prayed for regularly God help me not cuss It's just become second nature Help me not cuss And so God started doing this work In my life and in my roommate's life as well He was also working in them And so me and another roommate Actually it was two other guys um, And in that time we said Hey let's let's try to help one another stop cussing So you know the game BB check Like you say a B word You just get punched in the shoulder Right So We played BB check except with cuss words. And so if you said a cuss word, you got debt in the shoulder. Man, that shoulder hurt for a long time. Because as soon as I said that word, it was boom. And it was a knock hard. And I was like, oh, man, freak, freak, that hurt. And then every time you get hit and you're used to cussing, that's the first word that wants to come out of your mouth. So it just boom, boom, boom. You're just knocked. And that shoulder was so bruised. I'm telling you, it took like three days. I'm a saint. No cussing. No cussing. I was trying to deck them as hard as I could, but I was not cussing. All that to say is even that God used to help to help align my heart to His grace and His goodness and His glory because I knew that my witness to a lost world was severely influenced if my mouth was not pouring forth the praise of God in all that I said and in all that I did. There was evidence for self-control to work in my life. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left... Without walls One of the strengths of the kingdoms of old Was that they would have walls that were built Because there was always attacks That would come from the outside In order to destroy the inside And you knew if a city was without walls It was defenseless Self-control are the walls that are built up In order to guard our hearts Let's be honest with one another The problem isn't outside of us. The problem's inside of us. And if we are not guarding our hearts, we will receive attack and we will fall. Self control is the guarding of our desires to that which matters most loving God with all that we are, with all that we are so when we read this passage we see jesus exhibiting self-control we see the fruit of the spirit at work in the son of god we know that god is the author of salvation who has given us all things in his eternal plan for redemption we need that we know that god the son is the one who is the one who accomplishes salvation who one who has came to save us to rescue us to take us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. We know God the Holy Spirit is our helper. And what we see here is a triune work of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, withstanding the temptations of the enemy, withstanding His attacks. We see this in three ways. Jesus says, love God with your strength, love God with your body, In Matthew 4, 1 through 4, we see that Jesus is trusting God with his body, with his provision. God is his provider, and he trusts him above all else. In Matthew 5 through 7, we see that Jesus, loving God with his mind, is regarding God as the one that has all power and all authority, and not Satan. In what we see in Matthew 4, 8 through 11, Satan seeks to attack the heart of Christ by causing him to worship him instead of the only God who is worthy of worship. And Jesus withstands that attack because his heart and his desires are firmly planted in love for God above all else. And we see these attacks. We see these temptations. But we see that Jesus... Walks in the Spirit. That's what Paul says in Galatians 5 16. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted by Satan. Walk by the Spirit. That sounds really good. But when you're standing and staring face to face with the most horrific thing, the most horrific murderer that this world has ever seen, it's pretty scary, isn't it? Jesus is taken into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. One thing that i found Being a pastor is that my life is often subjected to uncomfortable experiences There are times that are just outright difficult There are meetings that I don't want to have that I do have There are times that really stretch my faith That really challenge my character And each of those experiences i found Has been the training grounds for an experience That would one day come later that would be much harder Right That's happening for you, and that's happening for me today. Your difficult experiences today are a training ground for what's coming tomorrow. Jesus, being face-to-face with Satan here, would not face his hardest trial. His hardest trial would come later, wouldn't it? But it was this experience that forged in Jesus the reality of his love for God and the reality of what God had, accomplished for him, had had planned for him to accomplish on the cross that enabled Jesus to withstand the enemy's attacks. Jesus was fasting. Fasting is where we will abstain from things in, 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 order, to, in order to acknowledge our dependence upon God. Jesus was abstaining from food and water for 40 days, so He was weak. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was vulnerable. And when He was hungry and thirsty and vulnerable was when Satan attacked. Isn't that the way it goes? When we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're lonely, we're vulnerable. And here you have Satan knowing that Jesus is at His weakest going after him. It's not that being lonely or hungry or thirsty are sins. They aren't sins. But it's when Satan seeks to move our hearts away from the Creator in order to look at the created to sustain us. J.C. Ryle, an old pastor, writes, "'To be tempted is in itself no sin.'" It is the yielding to temptation in the giving it a place in our hearts which we must fear. Don't fear being tempted. You will be tempted. Good chance you already have been today, and there's a good chance you will be again. Don't fear being tempted. Fear yielding your heart towards that temptation. Fear giving your heart to something that's not worthy of it. Feel fear yielding your character to something that will discredit you and discredit your Savior. Don't fear the temptation. Fear giving in to it. And so what Satan attacks here is God as the provider. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you're the son of God, one of the things that we, have, that, that, that we didn't mention, but it's just right before this passage, is that Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist in the river Jordan, and this dove comes flying down, and the presence of God is upon Jesus, the son of God, and God shouts down from the heavens, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And here you have Satan now questioning the identity of, and sonship of Jesus Christ. Are you the Son of God? Are you really Him? Is what God said true to you? And if it is, make these stones bread. You're hungry, make them bread. How many of us have been at these moments in our lives where we've, we've had needs? And they've been real needs in our lives, physical needs, like we don't have food in the pantry, we don't have money in the bank, we don't have gas in the car. We don't have energy left for the day. And Satan says, here, this will fix it. Here. Here, this will fix it. Here's, here's, here's a way to get that money. But here's a way to discredit your character by doing so. Here's a, way, here's a way to manipulate the situation in order to get what you want. One of the things that Carrie and I have just recently gone through is we had some unexpected expenses and one of the great temptations that come into us when those unexpected expenses come in is that tithe check that God has called us to give to the church. That 10%, that's the first fruits of our income that God has called us to give to the church, is to say, no, no, God, right now I'm sorry. The church doesn't need it. You don't need it. I need what I need. And so I'm going to take my, by my own strength the measures to get what I need without realizing that God is our provider and that God is the most generous giver and that God is the one who will give us all things, not to say we won't have challenges, not to say we won't have trials, but there's a good chance that writing that check or giving that gift might be the most challenging thing that you do, but it allows us to trust God above all else. He is our provider. One of the things that Satan seeks to cause us to do is to doubt God's provision, that God won't help us, that God won't sustain us, that somehow I've got to make it happen in and of my own strength. That's self-help, right? But what if self-control says, How can I greater depend on God, my heavenly Father, for my provision? Jesus is fasting, and He's hungry, and He's thirsty, and He is completely dependent upon God. And notice what Jesus says in, in, in response to Satan's, It is written. Satan takes the Word of God to manipulate Jesus. You notice Notice that. He uses it out of context. And Jesus brings it right back to reality when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying back to Satan, the word of God, the true word of God. And he's saying, man does not live by bread alone. I do not need the physical things of this world because I have what God has given me in his word. In his word, God's word is what we need. And here Jesus is saying God's word is more sustenance for us than anything else that this world has to offer, including bread. Man does not live by bread alone. The chief weapon for standing up against the temptations of the enemy is the word of God. It's the word of God. Know it. Know it. Because when you know it, you will be able to put, to extinguish the fiery darts that Satan sends your way as you know the Word of God. I've been so convicted of this recently. I need to grow in this recently. I've been convicted of leading you to to know the Word of God because spiritual maturity for us, church, is us knowing and loving the Word of God. And I tell you why. So Satan doesn't take you out. So Satan doesn't pick you off. I, that's one of the greatest ways that, that we as a church can love one another, is by leading one another to the Word of God. John Piper's mother wrote in his book, in his Bible, when he was 15. His na- her name was Ruth. She said to John Piper, he's a pastor today who's undoubtedly impacted hundreds of thousands of people. She said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. That's a good heart check right there. If that Bible's just laying around inside your house, it's a good heart check right there. It's a good reminder that God's grace will bring you back and will bring you back and you could start afresh and anew today. His Holy Spirit will help you go there. Now Satan attacks Jesus with the loving of God, with his mind, with power. In verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. There is undoubtedly this anguish that's welling up in Jesus' soul, not only because of the fast that he's going through, but because he realizes what he's going to have to endure for the redemption of humanity. Satan says, "Let's, let's let's just end it right now. God's going to take care of you. You're God's favorite. You're His beloved Son. You're His begotten Son. You're God's favorite. Just throw yourself down. He'll take care of you. We could end this all right now. When we stare suffering square in the face, when we stare difficulties, uncomfortable circumstances square in the face... One of the temptations that we have is let's just end it Let's just end it When marriage gets difficult Let's just end it When raising kids becomes difficult Let's just Let let me just forget about doing the things That I have to do to raise them well Because it's hard And so I'm just going to do what's easy I'm I'm just going to play on Facebook this evening Instead of teaching my kids how to read Those are some of the things That I face on a day to day basis They're hard things And those are the things that Satan is putting before Jesus and saying, you know God's angels will save you. You know that you don't have to do this. You know that you have power. Don't look to the power of God to sustain you through the difficulties or God's power to use your difficulties for His glory. But why don't you take the power in your own hands and use it for yourself? This is a tool... Of Satan, in order to take your mind and cause you to focus on things that you shouldn't focus on. Things that will s- steal your heart's joys from God and put them in this world. This is why we have the tendency towards self medication. We're depressed, so we drink. We drink alcohol. We overeat. I'm guilty of that. Self control says no. No, we are to put our face and eyes upon Jesus who will will cure our deepest sicknesses. This is why we we tend to self-medicate is because we want a quick fix. But God's called us to endure suffering, trials, tribulations, being slandered, People who have malice against us were to respond with gentleness, not try to crush them. And this is where, friends, we must see that God is all-powerful. We must see that God is the one who will deliver us through this life. And it doesn't mean the deliverance of our present circumstances because our present circumstances is preparing us for a greater glory. I've got a friend right now I went to see him on Wednesday. He's got cancer. Flew into Texas that morning, flew back that night, spent four hours with him by his bedside. He and his wife, it was such an amazing time. He is dying of his cancer right now. He's a good, godly man. He's got three young and beautiful kids. He's never cursed God that I've seen in the midst of this difficulty. But he suffered well. Because he knows that God has a better blessing for him. Because he knows that God is powerful enough to take care of his wife and kids when he passes. Because he knows that God has prepared for him a greater life in eternity than life here on this earth. And he gladly accepts the fate that God has given to him because he knows that God is all powerful. And he knows that God will use his suffering to display God's glory. One of the things that's crazy about this guy is he went to Brazil in order to be a missionary to see people saved by the power of the gospel in a country that is in desperate need of God's forgiveness. Only about nine months later, he comes back to the United States in order to go through treatments and therapies and all of these things related to his cancer while being paralyzed on half of his body. And you know what he said to me when we were there? He said, God's used me more suffering than I think God could ever use me as a missionary in Brazil. Because people are seeing the mercies of God in my suffering, and his wife was just weeping and saying, "Yes, yes," and I suffer with him. Friends, if any of us were to go through that, if I were to go through that, my prayer is, is that we align our hearts to realize with our minds and our bodies. That God's power makes perfect our weaknesses and displays the glory of God to a watching world. Love God with your mind. Love God with your mind. Jesus responds to Satan. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put your Lord God to the test. How many of us, I've done that before. God, if you're real, just do this. God, if you're real, just snap your finger, put a million dollars in my bank account, and we are good to go. I will believe. I will believe. Amen. I will believe, right? What if God's grace to you and power to you is seeing that this world is not anything that you think it is, but he's aligning your heart for greater riches than you could ever imagine in the world that's to come. Love God with your mind and allow your mind to stir your soul towards Him. Love God with your heart. Everyone worships something, don't we? Everyone worships something. It's the trajectory of our life where we spend our money, where we spend our time, what we spend our energy, where our thoughts are consumed by, where our heart's desires are. That's what we worship. And this is where Satan seeks to attack Jesus. You know, what's interesting. He attacks Jesus and Jesus' ultimate goal. Jesus' ultimate goal was that there would be a worshiping people that would arise from his plans on earth. And Satan says, why don't we just circumvent that whole process now? Notice he doesn't even quote scripture here. Here's the first book of Satan right here. Okay? This is what he says to Jesus. The devil took him on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said, All these I give to you, I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. This is the lie of the enemy. And in fact, the enemy has done well in this if he can get us to worship anything other than Jesus. He can get us to worship anything, anything created other than Jesus, then he's succeeded because if we could worship the created things rather than the creators then we are idolaters and that's in fact what he's seeking to cause Jesus to do is to be an idolater but Jesus cannot cuz Jesus the son of god is the god man and he has committed his life to god's plans and god's purposes above all else the temptations that we have each and every day to worship the created rather than the creator are so vivid we have to guard our lives against we have to uh, align our lives so that we love God in everything and that's what Jesus did in the midst of 40 days and 40 nights without food without Anyone else around him But being tempted by Satan Where the spirit led him And Jesus responds to Satan Again with the chief weapon The word of God The sword of the spirit And he said to him Be gone Notice that Be gone Get away from me Be gone For it is written You shall worship the Lord your God And obey him only and him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We are servants of the Most High King. You are here today because God has called you to serve him with your life. Your call is to worship God with all that you are. That everything in your life would align with the purposes of God because God is the one that's worthy of all things. With your time, with your money, with your energy, with your bodies, with your minds, with your hearts. All of these things in alignment is the worship of God. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to Present your bodies before God as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. That everything that we are, that everything that we have, we would rightly acknowledge belongs to God. And we would use it to serve Him. This is why we are to wake up in the morning and be disciplined to read our Bibles this is why we are to wake up in the morning and be disciplined And discipline our bodies for longevity This is why I have to grow in God's grace just as much as you do Friends, this was one of the most convicting sermons I've ever preached Because it just hits me square in the eye There are aspects of self-control that I love And there's aspects that I loathe And the problem with the aspects that I loathe Isn't because of the, those things It's because of my heart Because God needs to regear my affections for what matters most. So that I can serve God with all that I am. This is self-control. That everything in our life would reflect that. And this is what God is stirring for us today. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I I found that verse so fascinating. The devil left him and angels came and they ministered to God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, the son of God, being ministered to by the angels he made to minister to us, they're ministering to him. The son of God is being ministered to. Oh, those angels must have been filled with joy. Friends, friends, To think that the God who ministers to us right now is the God who has been ministered to and the God who now ministers to us. If you want this life, Jesus says, if you want to follow after Him, Jesus says, you must take up your cross. If anyone were to come after me in Luke 9 23 through 35, he says, Come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? If you're not willing to take up the cross of Christ, the cross that Jesus bore, the cross that says, my life is God's. Do with, what, do with me what you will. Friends, And you're not willing to embrace our Savior in worship. Now, we, we all are guilty of this. We all, to some degree at different levels, are going to struggle with this. We are not perfect here today, but that's why the power of the Holy Spirit is, a, is bearing that cross with us. He is helping us carry that cross. Friends, this is why self-control is that we would master our hearts. Author D.G. Keel writes: the beginning of self-mastery is to be mastered by Christ and to yield to his lordship. The beginning of self-mastery is to be mastered by Christ and to yield to his lordship. Rather than yielding to temptation here today, you can yield in a different direction. You can yield to the lordship of Christ. You can say from your heart of hearts, I want to follow you. And I invite you right now Maybe today you've not known about this Jesus that's worthy of all our praise, that died on the cross for your sins, that saved you from the death that you deserve, and He died died for you. Maybe you never knew that. Well, there's an invitation to yield to the Lordship of Christ so that He would master your soul. Maybe today you've been walking with Christ for a long time, and you're just convicted. Maybe like I am, to say, God... There's much where I've not regarded you in my body, in my mind, in my heart, and I want to follow you. Here's what I want to do right now. I want to allow God to purify all three of those aspects, our mind, our hearts, and our bodies. So when we take communion today, I want us to be thinking about in our mind, remembering what Christ has done remembering what Christ has done. Repeat the truth to you that the God who so loved the world gave His only begotten Son that you should not perish but have everlasting life through His love given to you. Remember what Christ has done with your mind. With your heart, examine it. Does your desires align with the desires of God? And if today you would say, that's not true, or you need God to bring those desires in conformity with the desires of God, all you have to do is call on Him right now. God, renew my desires to be desires for you. Examine your heart, confess your sin, and call upon your Savior who is ready to help. And with our bodies, receive. Receive God's grace. We take communion because Jesus' body was broken and His blood was shed so that we would receive the grace of God every time we remember. With your bodies, receive and partake in God's graces and live according to the plan that God has for you. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You for the redeeming work of Jesus Christ to allow us to master our souls, our desires, because you are our master, Jesus. You're our Lord. We come to you and we say, God, we want you to have your way right now in us. Have your way in our bodies, God. For me, God, there's much that I have to trust you in with my body that I must grow in so that I could. I could pour into the long haul my wife and my kids and a love for you, God. God, raise us up to be people of your word, to make disciples that make disciples, to plant churches that plant churches. God, grow us to realize that the word of God is the chief chief weapon of the enemy. And God, I pray with our souls, with our hearts, God, that all of our desires right now in this very moment God would be released for you in worship. God, let let us worship you with everything that we are. Let us not be worried about who's looking to our left or to our right. or Let's not be afraid to raise our hands, God. But let all our desires be filled for you in this moment. And that we would declare to the enemy that he is unworthy. And to you, Jesus, that you are the only one who is worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive honor and wealth and wisdom and power and glory for now and for all ages and into all eternity, God. May we worship you with all that we are. God, stir our praise for you, our affections for you, and cause us, God, to never leave you nor forsake you because we know that you'll never leave nor forsake us. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus and the church says, amen.